Reading Room, a literary podcast devoted to the works of Appendix A. Here we open the library doors of the Sanctum Socorro to you. Good evening and welcome to the Sanctum Secorum Reading Room. Whether you are new to the literary world of Appendix N, a diehard fan of the genre, or even just tuning in to see how certain titles tie into a particular set of role-playing games, we invite you to join us as we dive into the history and influence of Appendix N. We'd like to open our library to you and inspire readers to explore these new worlds. And... and, uh, (laughs) We're going to have a couple of things coming up in the next hour that will definitely invite you to uh, share our library. Uh, I am Keeper Jet, and with me is Keeper Bob. Hey, everybody. And I'd like to take this quick moment to remind you all about the channel points here in Twitch. You can use them to do things like highlight your messages, never your books, Um, highlight messages, send emotes. you know, ask for random facts because Bob's full of those. And with that, tonight we are continuing our exploration of the women of Appendix N with a dive into the stories of the people with Pilgrimage by Zena Henderson. They look human, feared as witches and demons. They possess superhuman powers. They can read minds free objects from gravity and fly through space. They live alone and outcast in Cougar Canyon. These are the people marooned on this planet by the crash of their interstellar vehicle in the distant past. The people are never free of a sense of strangeness in this world and a yearning for the home they have half forgotten. These are the chronicles of their arrival on this world, their estrangement from it, and their ultimate acceptance of their poignant exile. Yeah. This is, wow, this, this is a good book. Yeah, it's. I liked it better than Dolphins of Altair. Let me start there. <laughs> okay, well, we didn't have any suicide bomber dolphins, so it I was mean, certainly it, less, kind of less a, disquieting. A drawback, but... <laughs> right? well, that, that was kind of dis- disquieting. Um, but we also didn't have any mad scientist characters and overall it was wholesome this this is this is this is definitely a, a far cry from what most folks these days would call science fiction right um, but i think that goes back to zena henderson herself right and and who she was um, and and how she was raised and and the way she spent her life. I mean, she was born Zena Clarson Henderson, Zena with one N. She took the uh, the second N in the fifties, and I mean, she was born, raised, and died in Tucson, Arizona. Um, I, I I gotta say, she probably just got tired of being called Zena. That's fair, right? 
then again, maybe, maybe, maybe she was born Xena. Maybe Xena went to Xena. I don't know. Or Zion. But but, I mean, but but she was a teacher. She taught in, in Arizona, Connecticut, France, and even in a Japanese internment camp in Arizona during World War II. Teaching was her life, right? I mean, that that so shows in in all of these stories and she started she started reading sci-fi when she was like 12 with with influences like Heinlein and Bradbury and Asimov and Clement and and all of that carries through her writings right yeah I, I will say um I was really intrigued by some of the terminology used in her writing and the fact that there are even more stories than this. Um, the in-gathering, uh, the complete people stories was published in 1995 after her death. And it includes previously uncollected material from the same. It has uh, the last series. story of the people. It does. Yeah. It, there was an unpublished story. Yeah. I, I I kind of want to go back and and find all of those original uh, magazines, you know, fantasy and science fiction, uh, galaxy. She even has stuff that appears in the Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. Oh, that's cool. And uh, the follow-up to this particular book was uh, The People, No Different Flesh. That sounds a lot creepier than it probably is. I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe. And and I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment out to say, hello, Raid. Thank you. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the love flowing. Okay. So we've we've got this weird lady. Well, and, um, and you want to talk about, about the, the old pulps. You want to talk about the old pulps. Her first story, I mean, was published in, in 1951. So not, not too far before the people stories. And it was called Come On Wagon in the December issue of fantasy and science fiction. And it dealt with a man who had been abroad for years and he came home and the kids at home were kind of weird and gave him this weird feeling. And one of them couldn't understand why his little red wagon wouldn't follow him and play with him like a puppy. And that, that actually, while, while a little funny, sounds a little creepy and probably sounds as creepy as the descriptions of the people. So it is probably just wholesome and good like everything else. But uh, I didn't find the descriptions of the people creepy. I found them a little bit um, lackluster at times. Well, I mean, the the descriptions of of the books themselves, right? They were called witches and demons. I mean, these are from the backs of the books. They really really? sold this. It's like, yes, like ominous and creepy. And no, no, this is this is good, clean, wholesome fun, folks. Um, I mean, Um, and this is. This is a, a woman who was one of the first female science fiction authors to to publish between you know between 1926 and 1960. She was one of the first like 200 female authors to do so. Um, she was nominated for a Hugo Award, and she never used a female suit or used a male pseudonym. Although I wouldn't necessarily have known the gender of Zena to begin with, but but she never used a, a blatantly male pseudonym like so many others um yeah that that part i really honestly that's one of the things that drew me to her and her writing i mean 
in comparison to some that we have reviewed who have used those pseudonyms and who have been forced to use those pseudonyms just to get anything published. So it's kind of nice that she got out there on, on her own merit, if you will. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the reviews that I read were, you know, the, her writing exhibits warmth, gentleness, and a sense of the worth of human and non-human beings. And really, that's extremely timely with what was going on in the 60s at the time that she was writing all of this. Well, and and a lot of a lot of the things resonate today, right? I mean, sadly. You can, you, you can see, you can see her background. I mean, she was, she was born and raised Mormon. She became a Methodist and eventually she uh, joined an independent uh, Christian charismatic fellowship, sort of like the Pentecostals, right? So she was, she was raised Christian. And interestingly enough, the aliens from outer space are Christian as well. And uh, which, or, 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 oh no, they are, they are Mormon. Well, kind of. I, I, I really get a strong Mormon feel from it. To be I, fair, Mormon Mormons aren't just an Abrahamic faith. I, they are I, Christian. I understand that. I say this because the entire overtone of this book gave me this sense of um, nostalgia, but not for the religious aspect. Uh, that's why I'm stumbling over my words here. Um I grew up in what was, for the most part, an undeveloped desert area, and we had the new Mormon missionaries that were out there. And so kids in my school were having to leave for lunch or go to seminary early in the morning and be late to school for that. And so it it really, the, the cliquish feel about all of that really drove itself home, especially considering most of what we are about to get into took place in the classroom. And in a lot of ways, the, the society of the people, the, the self-imposed isolation echoes things like, um, like the Amish, although, I mean, they are not Amish, but, but it echoes that, that isolation and separatism. that that uh, that nearness and yet still apart reminds me of the Mennonite communities in uh, Sarasota, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, where where it's 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 and different, but of the community. But they're they're a little further back. But pe- people know who they are. But they they, they are. They, it it almost feels like it was set in um, in the setting of the Rifleman. Because everything is so very far away and up a hill and down a hill in the desert canyons. And I, it, it, it shows me that she did actually live in Tucson for all of the, uh, the references to um, not just the landscape, but like this road becomes unpaved at a certain point. And I, I remember that sort of stuff from the early 80s even outside las vegas so it it really it helped immerse me because yeah. she wrote what she knew yeah yes she did oh my goodness did she ever and and of course you be beyond her books there was the adaptation right there there was uh, that's one of the first things people go to actually is the the movie version of the people 
which was made for TV in 1972 and starred William Shatner. The people have powers. Uh, uh, capital uh, P for powers, too. Yes. That's yes, how you that, know it's got like capital, tones, capital right? P for powers. <laughs> yeah. And, or, or weren't they like way, what was it the, they, they called them something else. So they were the, like the, the ways and, and, and something else. Oh, there, there was, uh, but they, uh, they had a praise term. the power as well. Um, but didn't you say the movie was also available on primes? It is. Capital it P's? is. It <laughs> is indeed. Uh, the people is available on uh, prime video. So if you have Amazon prime, you can watch it for free. It's a 1972 TV movie with William Shatner that I haven't watched. So I don't know how good it is because. So he's not, he's not speaking for it, right? Yes. I'm not endorsing the movie, but I am saying that it is out there and I probably will watch it tonight after the, uh, the podcast version of the show goes out because it's got William Shatner. It can't be great, but it doesn't have to be bad. Right? <laughs> I mean, you could watch it tomorrow when I'm busy. Uh, <laughs> what fun is I, that? If it's good, we enjoy it. If it's bad, we suffer together. Can we find Tales of, Tales of the Dark Side in from 1988 instead? Because her short story, Hush, became an episode. Oh. Mm-hmm. See, I know how to research, too. Well, I know you know how to research, too. I just didn't know that one of her stories had been, been an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. See, so she could write creepy ish apparently who knows or it was adapted to be so uh, i'd be really curious to see especially with um the two short story collections that uh were specifically just her works the anything box and holding wonder and that's in addition to numerous anthologies that i'm not going to list by title here you can you can google her or look her up on amazon now, Sky um, 2 has mentioned that the movie might make a great double bill with, with the Silver John movie, which is the Ballad of Hillbilly John. And I'll tell you. The music for one is going to be awesome. Yeah, that, that movie is worth finding just for the opening soundtrack. Um, beyond Good that, luck on uh, both counts. Not so much, but but the first part, that first like two minutes with yeah. Wade Axton, good stuff. So just so, play that and then Into the People, maybe? Um, Save yourself I mean, some time. Well, or or if you're going to sit through the people anyway, I, I can't vouch for how good one is over the other. So I, I can't throw anyone under the bus that way. But um, I should also ask uh, our Twitch viewers currently, uh, have you read any of the short stories involved here? Because we're about to ask you some questions about it. Well, we, we certainly, there are certainly questions that can be raised. Okay. I'm about to ask some questions because I've mentioned how, reading this book has made me feel um did anybody else read some of this or or get any strong feeling from it um i was wondering um if it came across as wholesome to you guys to to you folks or were there moments of hope and positivity that came through or did it just make you absolutely cringe because of all of the overtones I am, I am honestly, earnestly curious about this. Yeah. Most, you know, most of it struck me so nicely, but I really hated the wraparound text that was written for this book. Right. Oh, the, the, the intro? The, 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 well, all the Leah story 
that, Which was that goes, the intro and the little bridges between. It, yeah, it's, it's the bridge text that, that puts it all together. I think this would have been better as just a collection of short stories. I didn't think I didn't think it needed anything else to sort of explain it. And I mean, part of the Leah story is dark, right? I mean, without hope, getting ready to kill herself and leap off a bridge, only to find out that she leaps off the bridge, she's probably just going to break an ankle and won't die. But I mean, just yeah. that that hopelessness. And it really, I, I pushed my way through you know, Leah one. And when I got, when I got to the actual stories of the people, that's where it got interesting for me. That, that weird darkness just was sort of, out, it seemed out of place with the rest of the stories. I mean, I guess, I guess it was the sort of thing that maybe Leah needed to hear to, to try and turn her around, but wow she was determined to die it's honestly the bridge story is what made it more and more cultish for me because oh wait you have to come to the next gathering capital g um and you you have to listen to this person's testimony essentially it's like they had all of these people lined up to give sermons for lack of a better word on their experiences and how much being part of this group or people has changed their lives. Well, and, and the conceit was that they were they were recording these these memories. They were kind of archiving them. Was was the conceit? But uh, King Gidra's right. You know, in, in asking, was this wraparound story ever resolved? No, not really. Um, she just sort of listened to the last story, and maybe she lived. Um, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think she appears in the next collection. I could be wrong, but oof, it's just. And yeah, I, I, I will say the opening story wasn't thrilling, but I was absolutely just, it was maddening to see Karen's dialogue written the way it was. She was so spastic kept cutting herself off everywhere. I mean, there were M dashes all over the page <laughs> from, from an editorial point of view. Come on. Uh, that doesn't make me en- enticed to continue reading the book. So I was very glad to see that Karen calmed the heck down and actually spoke in some full sentences after that first night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> But I mean, but once once you get into the actual stories, right? The actual stories are good. They're really good stories, and and, and Some yes, of them. Uh, I, I enjoyed most of them. Okay, um, Jordan, the last one was a little slow, and 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 perhaps yeah. and perhaps I'm just saying, perhaps the slowness of that story uh, did not play well with Leia, and maybe that's why we don't have a wrap up for the uh, for the bridging story. Oh, um, that's true. Maybe, well. Now, now I'm actually curious. She's dang it. She's going to make me go to the next book. I'm curious to see if there's a pickup point. Well, so those next stories were all written like eight to 10 years later. Right. I mean, there, this was at the time, this was all of the people stories and and the next stories five years between the, the publication. Right. This one. Right. But this, yes, this book versus mm-hmm. the publication of the stories. Right. The next, the no different flesh, that collection was published 
five years later in 1966. Right. Please recall that the last of these stories was published in like 59 or 58 or 59. So, so yeah, I mean, there was, there was definitely, there was, there was a gap. I mean, it was not something that directly picked up from one to the next to the next. Um, And from my understanding, if you're going to read the people stories, this is really the book to read. The, uh, the, the second, the second book of stories is, is said to be not, not as, as strong as, as this collection is. Well, no, that's an interesting take, but yeah, I mean, you know, she's, she's religious. The stories definitely have religious overtones. She was a teacher. Oh, teachers are important in this. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing either, right? I mean, teachers are important. Once more, right in what she knows. But what I, what I really like is this isn't your, your standard, like, bug-eyed aliens and flying saucers story or your your zap guns in space sort of stories these are i think one of the reasons this this book resonates so much is these are stories of immigrants right i mean they're they're good people with with amazing powers but really the amazing powers are there just to sort of pull you further into the story of of who these people are and and their day-to-day struggles well, and their, their struggles with being different or um, encountering the other. And again, very much a, a product of the time, but also done very tactfully and, and never, never with the, the, the demeaning uh verbiage that yeah. so many other authors would refer to you know they're they're not natives they're not savages they're i mean they're <laughs> they're just different well and and the thing is the the differences they have not only make them fascinating but it it makes for engrossing reading there's um one of the stories it is give me a moment here um, I think it's captivity, which has the, where everyone's asking what's wrong with the Francher kid because uh, yeah. he, you know, yeah. he's troubled and he's doing all these things and, you know, he, he's poor. And, and so you already have sort of this, this narrative that, I mean, really, uh, it's sort of like a modern, it's sort of like a, a proto Harry Potter, right? He's, he's going to school. He's the outcast. He's weird. He's poor. He looks kind of funny and yet he has magical powers. And, and, what I like is he uses those, he uses his powers like a real kid, his age in his, in his mental state of being pissed off at everybody would do. Well, I'm just going to pull all the musical instruments out of the, out of the school and make them dance around and run away because I can, because I can create the music with them Be- and, 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 and use this power that my mother gave me at, well, and that was that was what really gripped me was his description of I hear music, I hear music, but I can't make that sound. And so he's saving all he's you know he's saving up all all his money to buy a musical instrument so he can at least try. And then the then the the foster mother takes the money and spends it on a suit so he can look nice. And and, and there's and, that and extra rebellion. All of this um, also leads me to add she did mention at one point that he was half black in his heritage 
never mentioned which side was which, but his mother was a, a palm reader or a fortune teller at the, uh, or was, did they call her a seer? But she worked at the circus. She worked at the carnival. Yeah. Because because he was which they made were, him they were even weirder. Yeah, because you know if Especially you want to all these like Jethros and if and, you want to have a low social standing, yeah, Carney yeah. in the fifties is pretty much pretty much it, right? And yeah, you could have skipped the skin tone. And then and then as as he's introduced to someone who who understands and has power and reveals to him the sound of the music in his head and, and tells him, you will be able to do this. You will be able to craft this music. I mean, that, that one story, that, that single story takes him essentially through most of the hero's journey, right? I mean, he didn't, he didn't have a mentor who, who had to die, but, but his parents were already gone. So, so he'd already sort of been on that road and it's, it's very condensed. It's, it's very nice and neat and it's not told from his point of view. So you're observing him as he does this mm-hmm. and he's not, he's not a happy kid and, and it shows, but he has those moments and uh, it was I, just engrossing. I think my favorite of the stories was Pottage where the teacher Melody comes into this town of really just socially stunted and quiet people. They're afraid to walk normally. They have to always shuffle the dirt and the leaves under their feet because they're afraid they might lose touch with the ground. And uh, one of the first powers that we learn of is lifting where Mm -hmm the kids levitate themselves or objects and in order to keep the children from lifting, they are taught at a very early age. They must always scuff the ground like their parents. And it'd been going on for what, two or three generations there. Yeah. It was, it was sort of like the people version of footloose, right? Oh my gosh. (laughs) It it really was. I mean, you're, you're in this community where where they couldn't sing, they couldn't dance. They had to walk shuffling their feet. It was, it was so just, they couldn't have fun. They weren't allowed to have fun because that might lead to them losing control of their powers. They had to be completely tightly laced and it really harkens to you don't let other people find out that you are different or that you are other or that you have these powers because that's how you die. Well, and and here's and so instead you must try to conform to that wainscot society. Well, and and here's the thing, I think especially that story specifically might have drawn some inf- inspiration from her time teaching in the Japanese internment camp because there's a reason these people Whoa. fear as fear being seen as other they are afraid of what will happen if people find out they are different. They are terrified. Yeah. And while the kids aren't, the parents are driving this into him. And, and Zena Henderson had seen what happens. Yeah. You know, she had seen that firsthand. And so this 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 whole thing comes along. And just as a as a as a gamer putting together like a, a weird little community like this sort of a, you know, a little, a little, little town, you know, maybe a little village near a town where, where, you know, the people are there, but they're always just sort of funny. And 
the way the the, the outsider niche of them or outsiderness of them it it, <laughs> it kind of put me to mind of you know the people of Innsmouth the people of Innsmouth yeah oh yeah they're there but they're different and there there were so many other threads that ran through that story that it had a, a great impact yes thank you on three you're right outsiderness outside outsiderishness that's it. i can pronounce words i swear to god words are hard it's all good but yeah that was that was another great story um or or error at where where the teacher miss uh, carmody is keeping her powers hidden because everywhere she goes she gets fired because someone walks in while she is mm-hmm. levitated up to get a book and and so or, or to hang a painting or something yeah and and so they sure. they freak out and rather than tell everybody else she can fly which obviously you know people can't Mm-mm. do that so you can't yeah. say that she would, she would be fired and so she she goes through this entire story expecting oh, i'm gonna get fired okay so so just tell me i'm fired i'm fired right and it's no you're one of us and so there this earlier story shows you what happens when you reveal yourself to the right people. And then we roll into the story about the fear of revealing yourself to the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it makes me wonder, right? She was married in Zena Henderson was married in 43 and divorced in 51. And I kind of, I kind of wonder what went on there, right? What, what sort of things were going on there that also might have fed into her storytelling? Because she definitely wrote from life, other than the fact that she probably could not fly or or things of that nature. I mean, never assume, right? Uh, Wilderness was another fun one because that allowed the female reader to identify more with this woman who doesn't have power she's not one of the people well she but, has powers she's not one of the she's people she's developing the sense she almost comes across as schizophrenic at first because there's all these different voices described you know one of my voices say this some of my voices are crying in jubilation for this some of my voices are terrified to let anybody know this and so she's clearly got a little bit of something going on right but then she sees a kid lose control of her powers and the kid tells her about this guy that I can't name his name, but this is, you know, there's somebody helping me with it. And then she meets the same guy and that's Mr. Lowe. They, she accuses or he, I forget who tells which, but one of them says, stop talking on top. I'm listening underneath. And so they were able to have these sub-vocal or non-verbal conversations with each other. And that was that that, that was kind of a, a neat little romanticism of the powers, I thought. Well, and, and Sky too in the chat brings up a, a really good point. She Zena Henderson seemed very familiar with with mental illness and and port and and portrayed things yeah. portrayed things akin to it in a sympathetic light as opposed to as opposed to your know, horrifying or mm-hmm. over exaggerated no it was and, very humane and the the struggles of of lucine as as she is she is traumatized by you know her power getting out of control 
more and more and more to the point where she she is literally at one point described as just being an animal because she is just responding on instinct because she can't even think anymore and then when mr Lowe can't find her no she's here look for the animal as he's scanning like the the mental wavelengths or something and and as we as we going through all these stories and we learn that you know the people are are certainly scattered all about the southwest because the ship broke up and the pods landed in different places and so there's different communities and i forget the name of the the character at at one point um the the main character and and low you know they they lift and mm-hmm. one person sees them but he's he's sort of the town drunk and and nobody really thinks much of it but as it turns out he knows what's going on you know he he is he has been befriended by the people he knows how to reach out to the people sure they keep erasing his mind which is which is a little, you know, I'm looking at this guy, you know, a little less humane. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a drunk. Uh, nobody believes him. And maybe that's because people keep erasing his mind. There's shades of gravity falls there, right? The, the, yeah. The yeah. order of the hidden eye. And uh, so he goes back to, and talks to these people, the, you know, the original couple. Um, <laughs> let's talk about these names for a minute. Valency and Jemmy. Mm-hmm. We're the first couple. Uh, Twyla was the Francher kids, uh, I guess, teenage love interest there. Mm-hmm. Melody with an E at the end. I, I mean, yeah, Valency Carmody or Carmody. Okay. I mean, a lot of these are names that I might have expected to see come up in Golgotha, maybe. <laughs> It's just it may be very, right? very old West. Well, which, which makes sense. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that sort of, that sort of ties in. I can't remember, can't remember it, the it name of the, of the guy that was basically old man McGucket, but I mean, yeah. he, uh, but he also had kind of, he, he had an unusual yeah. name. There's a lot of unusual names, but. And, and that particular aspect really pulled me out of feeling like it would be a timeless piece. As opposed to say the the Barrows Bennett uh, Citadel of Fear, that I still think could have been written, you know, a year ago. Yes, not just a hundred some years ago. Yes, her 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 language usage was was phenomenal. Yeah. But the yeah. but the the themes the themes in the in this book uh, really still resonate. They unfortunately, yeah, you know, they well, yeah. Um, I mean, the, sorry. No, I, I was saying, you know, we've got uh, there's this the story Gilead with with the uh, the boy that is discovering his his heritage because, you know, well, I I can fly. Well, people can't fly, and then he's yelled at because his his parents want to keep it, you know, keep that secret, and he's slowly discovering that he's different, but he is not fully of the people, and and that comes into play later, right? He is. He is half of the people, which they didn't even realize could happen. And so in uh, in wilderness, when we meet this person who has no blood relation to the people and they're like, well, you know, you're evolving into us. You're, you're becoming like us. It's this this kind of it's kind of a homogenized view of the universe. Right. Uh, yes, there's life elsewhere and we are all the same. Uh, we're just a little bit more advanced. 
Right. Because, and I think that was Zena Henderson saying, I don't want to tell Buck Rogers stories. I don't want to, to tell bug eyed alien stories, but also that, that kind of, that goes back to, to Mormonism. Um, uh, a friend of mine who is ooh, a friend of ours, really, uh, Ryan, who was, who was raised Mormon when, uh, when he was a kid, they'd all get together like, yeah, so when I die and, and, and I get my own world to be God of, I'm going to do this. And so there was, there's this feeling um, amongst at least some, because I am not incredibly well versed in the Mormon faith, um, that, that you create your own world. And so if you're creating your own world, you're doing from what you know, and more people and people and people. And uh, although, well, although how could they can be Christian and more advanced and yet from another world, doc. Um, I mean, but, we okay. could ask Joseph Smith, but you know, um, we could, but I don't think he's going to have a lot to say. Not these days, perhaps. So let's talk about the story you weren't a big fan of. Um, it was told from a recording instead of from a, a character who was standing in front of everybody at that last gathering because as it turned out bram had decided to go back because they found a a ship that landed fairly recently yes but you know for for telling of it was kind of lackluster i will yeah for for a story that is sort of the 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 pinnacle of yeah, the, the people's story, right? At, at, the, <laughs> at the time, at the time, this was like the finale of, of the people. Mm-hmm. And it just, I mean, I mean, if you just stop to think for a minute, when, when uh, the first story of the people appeared in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, Zena Henderson was not even listed on the cover, right? It was just, eh. mm-hmm inside the contents also then it went over because well she wasn't well known yet yeah right and but it went over really well and so the next the next like uh i think the next two issues she the people stories appeared in she was on the cover the next two stories she was the featured story on the cover and Jordan appears in an issue that is the all-star with like Bradbury and Heinlein and all these people. And it is a weak, weak story. And it's, it's just, it's a shame for all this, all this building up of, mm-hmm. of recognition and renown. We get to Jordan. Yes. Yes. And now sky two brings up that the stories felt very uh, generalizable. <laughs> I, I could pronounce words uh, because they appealed to almost everyone on any margin, you know, oh, immigrants, most certainly. religious communities, the cognitively different or any of a whole bunch of subcultures, if you will. Well, and, and hearkening back to, to Mormonism, if you look at, if you look at some of the early days of Mormons, you look at why the Mormons ended up in Utah. If you look at the fact that until I think the 1970s, it was technically legal to kill Mormons in Illinois because the law was not off the book when they had forced the Mormons out. They said, get out or we will kill you. So, yes. Oh, early, early Mormonism and massacres went hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And so, so there is, there is kind of that that marginalization in early Mormonism as well. So I mean, she was really raised in, in something that, 
that she took and she learned from with with her additional experiences and really wrote something that that yeah i think can speak to to anybody who feels on the outside i think she would have been an interesting person to speak with especially after uh, all of her writings and everything um well she, I, if she was anything like her books she was very nice right very, right very nice. all conflict was resolved and you know, even if there was a tense moment, it, it got wrapped up or, or dissolved even. Well, and, and there's a number of authors that came after her that, that cite her as among their inspirations. And, Which is and the, actually pretty cool. Yeah. And the stories they tell are certainly very different. But if you, when you look at someone's inspirations, you can see bits and pieces of of what they've, what they've drawn from, uh, whether it's, whether it's her compassionate characters, whether it, yeah, I mean, none of them wrote sci-fi by way of Mayberry, like, like Zena did. I really, this, they, come on. It, it really does. It has the wholesomeness of like Mayberry RFD. Um, but with that really dark beginning. Yes. I'm, which, which I, is that, so that, jarring. And, I'm going to kill myself. And I mean, even, even if that was written in the sixties, which we know it wasn't, it, it predates that. Um, that was not a theme that was socially acceptable to write about. Well, well, the bridging material was written in the sixties. It was, it was written specifically well, for this book. It, even so that was, that was still really early it, for, for something of that nature. And if I hadn't gotten past the first five pages, I would have been stuck with just that impression. It, yeah, it, it was, it was definitely difficult. I, I, I finished that and I got into, I got into the first actual story. I was like, Oh, I get this. This is good. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's so different. But when you look at, when you look at 1960s and 70s storytelling, right. When you look at mm-hmm. you know, the twilight zone, sending, sending people into the cornfield and, and all of the sort of low key sci-fi um margaret st Clair's, i think it was the boy the boy who 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 sensed earthquakes the boy who foretold earthquakes um all of these oh, sort the of one that turned into the uh they use it on an episode for yeah. the night gallery yeah yeah um kind of these these low-key sort of sort of psychic stories i have psychic powers and in this case it's because they're alien and they have this connection to and they don't call it heaven i do they call it the, i think they call it like the home um, but it, it's their connection to where they, they come from. And so they're not, they're not afraid of death because even in death, they were joined. It's it, well, and, this, and even those that went home on the ship, they went back to the new home, capital N, the new home planet. This is, this is sci-fi Narnia. That's what this is. This is if, 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 uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, I think would have loved this, the stories are good. The, the, uh, the, the Christian allegories are not really allegorical, right? I mean, they, you, you do, you do they, get, the, not, you do get slapped about the face with yeah. it. Right. I mean, because there's no pretense, right. They're they Christian. They celebrate Christmas. They have christenings. They, they state we are Christian. Um, but you, your, your statement about everything being very poignant and timely and pertinent are, relevant, I think is how you put it. Um, 
really hit me in, in one of the paragraphs right before that last story, because that character, Leah, that we don't really care for, <laughs> did she had this little inner monologue, you know, darkness will come again. This is just a chink in my prison, a promise of what is on the other side of me. But how how wonderful this is. You know, these are people who will listen when I cry. They will help me find my answers. They will sustain me in the long, long way that I must grope back to find myself again. I might be getting a little teary. She's she's definitely a, a sympathetic character. It's just that she is so she's so determined to die that it's it's frustrating. Well, no, she, I mean, certainly it's, it's realistic from, from the bleakness. She at, is, at the but then she's like, but, but then what she do? She runs off to kill herself again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, and it's, it's very realistic in that telling. It is very oh, realistic no, no, no. when someone this, gets this to that point, she, but, uh, that, but overall that passage was when she was found and brought back and, and right, I, finally realized. And I think that that would have gone over a little bit, uh, more flatly had I read it prior to 2020. Fair. Um, I mean, I mean, it's, it's very realistic. It's just, I think the character is a little more realistic and dark than I would expect to read in a story that is otherwise so, so homogenizedly nice. Right. Everyone is 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 so friendly and so kind, and then and and yes, I mean you want contrast, right? You want that Francher kid gave us contrast, but the the darkness from you, the the contrast from these these happy people who are just oh they're almost angelic to I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to try again, I'm just going to keep doing this. Well, there's Go this away. troubled it's, child who wants to kill herself, and so they feel they must save her, and by doing so, they have to bring her into the hashtag not a cult and the <laughs> yeah that's right hashtag not a cult um well, which yeah. is very dcc of you um because we are we are, we are not don't mind if i do but yeah so, um, this is this is yeah this was a good book this was certainly this is certainly not what i expected when i when i sat down to read it that's um, perfectly fair same it's, here it's certainly not what i expected to uh to uh be be talking about on on uh in the reading room for a second quorum. Uh, this is a, this is a lot more, it feels a lot more mundane and not, not yeah. necessarily in a, not necessarily in a bad way. Right. But, but it's, it's not as, as uh, gonzo and out there as this, Margaret St. Clair. This feels like something <laughs> I could have read in high school along with like to kill a mockingbird, a separate piece and the plague. Right. I mean, this, this, this certainly feels like, that that style of literature that that is that is written that is is timeless and reaches out in a whole lot of ways but certainly not a whole lot of action and adventure in it um we we certainly didn't have have gods fighting amongst themselves with with idols bringing monsters to life right which right. i'll admit i really miss um but yeah, I mean, this, this, this is a, it's a good book. It is, it's, it's a great book that I recommend people read, but despite the fact that they're aliens and it's technically science fiction, 
don't go into it expecting to read science fiction because it's. I mean, y'all have seen the covers, right? They're they're not incredibly um, out there and and sci-fi. Well, there uh, is there <laughs> is a spaceship in the back by the farmhouse, right? Kind there. of. There, see, yeah, see, there is a spaceship, but which is and also it's nothing like what it it should look like, and. <laughs> Artists do do artists feel preaching choir. I get it. But now I'm curious. Those of you in the chat that have read it, do any of you have a favorite story from this? You know, are are you like me and like Leia? Nah. Uh, You know, I mean, is there a story that really sticks out to you? Did Did you like Jordan? Well, I didn't. Did you really dislike? You know, Ararat or or Gilead. I'm I am kind of curious those those of you that have read the stories because I know several people had and uh, and really enjoyed them. I'm curious as to uh, if any of them have any favorite stories. So no. while we're while we're waiting on that, Jen, what was your favorite and least favorite? And we'll leave we'll leave Leah out. We'll leave the bridging material out. We'll stick to the original stuff. So th- a lot of these were acclaimed for their quote unquote unchallenged positions of authority, which were noted favorably by feminist critics. And I don't know how I forgot this note earlier, because it's important for me to point out that the teachers weren't unchallenged, but maybe that was the perception back. I mean, back then, uh, practically every single story takes place in in a classroom. Um, for Jordan, I will say, uh, or for my favorite, rather, Jordan had one of my favorite horrific moments or or visages, perhaps. Uh, probably the, the darkest thing next to the girl getting ready to jump or cut her wrist. Um, but... No, I, I think I'll I'll stick with uh, wilderness as my as my favorite because it just that that romanticism and the lightness of it. I I really that that one was that one was okay. Yeah, that it it gave me that nice ah, okay I can stop reading this book now feeling. And uh. and then there was Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I would say that I like like uh, King Ghidra in in the chat. I enjoyed captivity. Uh, captivity so nails uh, that, that Francher kid. It so nails you know uh, a, a troubled a troubled like boy, troubled preteen boy into teenage. Um, there's there's that angst. There's that underlying there. There's that underlying anger, and I would say that you. Know, it, it, Oddly enough, and it's kind of timely, apparently, because it blew up on Twitter. Um, I was I was recently uh, in a conversation about being adopted because I'm I'm adopted, and uh, I had a great experience. Um, the Francher kid is a is a, is a foster child whose his mother's getting money from the state and is not having a good experience, and the things that he is going through are very true to things that happen to foster children and, and adoptees when they end up in, in a family that is not really a a family. And the fact that she's taking money for his support and she's just spending on herself. And so he's dressed in rags because she won't spend a penny on him. 
Um, and to buy him the suit, she steals from the money that he's been saving. She steals all of this money. No, this this is just too much like real life things that I've experienced, things that my friends experienced back when I was that age. And because of that sense of realism, that's why I didn't care for that story. See, as much. It was it was that sense of realism coupled with with music being his escape that having having that escape for him really, really kind of pulled to me. OK, so um, I was jealous, too. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, are you like your story? Yeah, um, I think I think we can both agree on uh, Jordan. Meh. Um, it just but, it didn't it didn't really imagery... pull me in. Of the elder that communicated with Bram uh, solely by telepathy because an accident had rendered her um, armless, legless, mute, and blind and deaf. There's a Metallica song in there somewhere. (laughs) Right. But but I mean, I just, I found that story was just a slog for me. It was, it was like, it was like slogging back through, through the first bridge piece. Like, ah, just it was yeah okay reading it reading that that story was a chore it was it was well written but it was a chore so yes should we give the audience tonight a chance to answer one last question well let's go ahead and ask them questions we happen to have at least one extra copy of this particular book who wants it We'll give you guys a couple of minutes to chime in there. We'll send you a book. And, you know, since, since, since the prize closet of mystery is rapidly becoming the guest bedroom of mystery. <laughs> um, why don't we'll give out, we'll give Too out, true. we'll give out two uh, DAW collector starter kits. We'll give, oh, uh, we'll give, we'll give one out to the podcast listeners and we'll give one out to the folks in the the twitch stream yeah that let's sounds see. like a fine plan so in, uh, in order to do that for the twitch stream uh you guys can click on the little round button below your chat where you, it shows your channel points and click on highlight my message or or something along those lines um, that, actually, yeah, highlight that, my message would work best. Yeah, yeah, that'll stick out. And just to let you know, so uh, while the while the uh, podcast listener uh, book selection will be will be different for our for our viewers, let's say we have the World of Enders by Lloyd Biggle Jr., which is Daw number is that six Daw fifteen. E. E. Van Voigt's The Man with a Thousand Names, which is number one fourteen. Marion Zimmer Bradley's The Forbidden Tower, which is one of the Darkover stories. That's number 256. Um, we have Neil Barrett Jr.'s Aldair Across the Misty Sea, which is number 379. A. Bertram Chandler's The Anarch Lords, which is number 449. And Hugo Award novelist C.J. Sherry's The Dreamstone, which is number 521. So if, you're, if you've ever thought like myself, God, I want a bunch of those God yellow spines. Um, this will really give you a, a good start, right? The 0 to 99, the 100, the 200, 300, 400, 500. And it's not that we're cleaning out things so much as that we're finding a lot of duplicates maybe. And while we wait to see if, uh, if we have any takers on either, you, Jen, you redeemed a random joke or random fact. 
All right. Do you want a I, random I, joke or a random was, fact? No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Which one? Uh, a joke. We need something light. Really? Because this wasn't very heavy. Uh, you're hitting me with a joke. Jeez. You know, I much prefer okay. you choose a random fact. <laughs> hey, Bob, let's take random fact for 1,000 points. All right. Random fact. Random fact. Uh, random fact about Bob. I once got to breathe fire at a biker. And he liked it. That's that is that is my random fact for, for That's you. That's true. I should have specified new random fact. <laughs> Jen, you know most of my random facts, but but the but the uh, viewing audience likely doesn't. Good point. Good point. Oh, cute! What's the scariest tree? Bamboo. Very nice. Considering Very that, nice, Tom Cunder. Considering that we live in a in a state that actually is home to probably one of the scariest trees, the death apple, uh, which which is so toxic that not only will the fruit kill you, the smoke from burning the wood will kill you, and water running off its leaves will burn you. Um, that's, that's, yeah. that's much nicer. So, look, you so got a second topics. random fact. You got a second random fact. Um, I, I should also say for our podcast listeners or anyone catching this on YouTube after the fact, please drop us an email at thehub at sanctum.media and let us know you're interested in the DAW Collector Starter Kit uh, or just, hey, help me build my library, something along yeah. those lines. And we will do a random drawing uh, before our next show. Speaking we, we might of do our, a few at this rate. Yeah. Speaking of our next show, um, is this where we get our Twitch mistress to put something up on the fancy little screen? Why? Well, before before she, I was about to say before she starts the poll, um, we, oh, have, we have a poll. We we do. We have a poll. We have Miriam Allen DeFord's uh, Xenogenesis, Tales of Space and Time from 1969. C.L. Moore's Jurel of Jory, who was the first female sword and sorcery uh, lead from 1934 and 1939. Mm. Lady Margaret Cavendish's The Blazing World, written in 1666. And Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from mm. 1818. Interesting choice on that one. Yes. Mm. So... So get your mm. votes in before. I don't know how long and the poll lasts. Don't, don't forget you can weight your votes with, with channel points as well. You can indeed. Right now right now we are tied between CL Moore and Lady Margaret Cavendish. Oh, 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 oh. there we go. There we go. Oh, 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 oh. God. This, is, this is exciting. It's three, three, and one. One for Mary Shelley. Can Mary Shelley come up from behind? Lady Margaret Cavendish pulling ahead with five. Mary, Whoa. As we're, as we're coming up on the, on, on the end, it is that was Lady Margaret Cavendish's The Blazing World, which is which is a science fiction story told in prose. So this will be this will be an interesting read. <laughs> Get it over with, right? Sixteen. Oh wait, that's what Sky Two said about Jarell of Joyery. Oh well. Um, hmm. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, I I wonder who who waited that one. Um, that uh, surprise alert! It wasn't me. Okay, so we'll be doing the seventeenth century first sci-fi novel, or first fantasy novel, rather. For your first uh, fantasy novel, at least by by a woman, the first fantasy story goes back to like ancient Rome. It's weird in that way. Okay, I, I will grant you that. 
our next show, if we are sticking to the same metric of the third Tuesday of the month, will be July 19th at 9 p.m. So y'all got about a month. And it looks like all of our drawings are going to carry over to the podcast. Am I am I wrong on that? I do not think I am. So, uh, yeah, I think people are listening, but or possibly watching. Um, as we've learned, if you're watching Twitch live using like a television device, you can't chat at the same time on that. So, just because it shows our viewers, it doesn't mean they're all in the chat at the same time, unfortunately. So, uh, between now and our next show, we will give away two. Uh, daw, col- daw collector starters kits, as well as uh, Jen's very own copy of Pilgrimage. So With drop no us highlighting. Yeah, no hi- blink, hi- blink. Hi- <laughs> Don't highlight books. Never write in your books unless it's with pencil. Ask me how I know. Uh, um, but uh, just drop us a line again at the hub at sanctum.media to get in on the, on the drawing. Uh, Sky too, I know you're trying way too hard to go digital. See, so let me send you some books. And then when you're done, you can give them away. Free books. <laughs> free book. Favorite four letter words. String together. You know, string. Sorry. Strung together. <laughs> Okay, now it's getting late. I, I was just looking at the book and I, I realized I can tell you exactly which used bookstore I found it at here in Florida. <laughs> so I'll, I'll put a little sheet of provenance in there too for you. So I, you know, and, 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 and our very own, our, our very own uh, behind the scenes webmaster saying, you know, she, she paid $300 you know, for, for a book. She's going to write in it. Yeah. But the key is if you, if it's a college textbook and you're going to return it and sell it back, highlight all the weird stuff as opposed to the intentional stuff, make the person that paid for that book really pay for buying that book. Right. <laughs> make them work for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, there was, I like there, there was a, 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 a medical program in Illinois where you'd go to the library and all the pages you needed in the medical text had been torn out by other people because they wanted to make sure that you weren't going to get the information. So, you know, just highlight the wow. wrong things in a textbook. That, that sounds like a, lo- a, a legal school or something. So I, I think that is going yeah. to wind us down and, and out for this episode. Thank you all for your patience. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As we run is- a little bit late. We don't have anybody after us, at least. And, oh, uh, but we're going to do a thing. We are going to do a thing. Um, as as we go out, we are we are going to the Sanctum Secorum is going to launch its first raid. Hey, we're, someone raided us. So yes, uh, yes, he did. So we're going we're going so to. Should I paste that link in? Uh, I, I no, uh, that nope. it'll, it'll okay. Elena's got it, but we are going to raid okay. 20 sides to every story who still has a, an episode going still in progress. Woo-hoo. So um, until next month, folks, we will, we will see you then. We will discuss the next book we've read and uh, be inspired. Sanctum Reading Room has been a production of Sanctum Media.